Boketov, we are now on the final uh, leg of the analysis of the first Mishnah in Masachet Moed Katan. The last clause in the Mishnah, we are now on Davav Amud Aleph, right in the middle of the Amud. Uh, the last clause of the Mishnah indicated that the Beitin sends people out, workers out, to uproot kilayim, mixed seeds, on Cholamoid. What, we go out at that point? Or Mina, we have a famous Brayta. On the first day of Adar, we announced the obligation to bring the Shkalim, as we talked about a few a couple weeks ago at the end of Megillah. And they go out to announce and remind people to be careful about Kilayim. The 15th of Adar is, of course, the day the Megillah is read in the walled cities. They go out to fix the roads. To measure the mikvaot, and they mark the graves. And they go out to, to uproot the kiloim. So how can you say they go out cholamoid? Which is obviously cholamoid Pesach when they've gone out a month before. So one of them, one of the Amorayim, explained that the Brita is talking about early blooming vegetables and plants. And our Mishnah is talking about late blooming, I feel. A similar distinction is between plants and vegetables. Vegetables evidently grow later. By the way, he just says that they don't wait until the 15th to go out unless the bud is not seen. If the bud is seen, then they go out right away. Now, my all right, great. If you're going to say that we can't go out yet on the 15th of Adar, why do they wait a whole month and a couple days to Cholamoid to go out to uproot the Kilayim? Because of, really, the issue of wages. After all, people are not working during that time, and therefore they'll work for less uh, less money. There's the workers, the Beitin employees. So that proves that when you pay the um, the workers to go out, you pay them from the public fund, from the Trumatalishka. The Isaka Daitach If you think that it's the owners of the fields who have to pay them, so What do we care? We'll send them out and we'll charge whatever um, needs to be charged, even if it's a high price. But rather, it comes from the public fund. Therefore, you wait until they will work for less. The ad comma, how much has to be uprooted? We have a Mishnah that says that if you have a rova kav within a se'ah, which means 124th, I put the measurement, uh, the ratio on the page, and there's six kabim in a se'ah. So if you have one quarter of a kav in a se'ah, that's 124th, then you ma'at, then you already have to reduce it. Now, Yema'et means you don't uproot it, you reduce it. Uh, we have a Brayta that says that they made a Takana that if the people have Kilayim, the Beitin essentially confiscates the entire field and they lose their ownership. So, Lokasha, Kan Korim Takana, Kan Lachar Takana. Good, before there was a Takana, so they would come and, and just uproot enough to make it not Kilayim anymore. After the Takana... Uh, to make sure people would uh, abide by it, they were mafka the entire thing. Now, now we'll see the evolution of this. The Tanya. Originally, the workers of the Beit team would come out, they would uproot the Kilim, and they'd throw them right in front of the animals of the owners. 
And the owners were happy twice. They were hoeing the field for these for the owners. And then the owners didn't have to pay any workers for this. The second thing is that their animals got to eat. So they made a takana that they should uproot the uh, kilayim and throw it out on the road. So at least they wouldn't feed their animals. They were still very happy. They were still hoeing their fields. So they uproot the kilayim, but now, now you lose ownership over the field, at least over the perot now, and therefore you have nothing to gain and everything to lose by letting the kilayim grow. Good. The next mission is something that we saw earlier on. This is the very beginning of the Masechet when we tried to identify the author of the first Mishnah and suggest that it might be Rabbi Yaakov based on this. You're allowed to draw water from one tree to another. But you cannot water the entire field. And he has a second ruling, which is if there's any uh, vegetables or plants that were not watered before the Moed, you're not allowed to water them on Cholamoid. You know, it's, if they're dry. Chachamim atrim bazel bazel. Chachamim disagreed, they allowed both watering the entire field and also watering things that have not been watered ever yonted. Now, mutar. So Yehuda just adds that if the field was a lush field, a wet field, then it's mutar. Tanya namihachi. Shamu asur lashkotan b'moed. So Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov's opinion that you cannot water them on Cholam is only with things that were not watered before. But if they were watered before, then it's okay. Or if they were watered not necessarily by you, but by rain or whatever. It's a wet field. You're not allowed to water a totally dry field. Allow all of this. Now, I'm a Ravina, since you're allowed to water a Sadeh Garid, obviously that means you're allowed to water your garden on Cholomoy. Because Sadeh Garid, my time, after all, what's the reason you're allowed to water a Sadeh Garid, a totally dry and, and, um, um, and, and nothing is going to be growing there right now, uh, because so dry, because at the maximum you're going to uh, increase the uh, sort of speed up the, the late blooming uh, gr- uh, plants will speed up a little bit. Same thing with the garden. Things that are late bloomers will now get uh, grow a little bit quicker. You know, even if they're not going to grow right now, and even if there's no hefseid that you're saving, speeding up the growth is also something that evidently is mutar. You're allowed to lightly sprinkle a, uh, a wheat field on, on Shemitah. I have a bright that says you're allowed to do both. That's very simple. Rabbi Yaakov says you can't do that on Cholamoid. Rabbanan says you can. another that you're allowed to slightly sprinkle a wheat field before Shemitah so that Things will grow on Shemitah. You're even allowed to sprinkle it on Shemitah so that things will grow in the eighth year. And this is, of course, the opinion of the Chachamim that allowed it. So the Rabbalazim Yaakov, truth to tell, does not dis- uh, disagree about Shemitah. Good. The last Mishnah we're going to do today 
keeps us in the field, and that's where we will remain until Sunday, when we will start on a whole different area of activities in Cholamoid. Tzadin et ha'ishut, v'et ha'achbarim. Ishut is evidently a mole. So you're allowed to trap moles and mice. We stay ha'ilan and we stay alavan kedarko. You could trap them in a regular field and in an orchard in a normal fashion. You dig a hole, lay a trap, zel. Ha'moed v'ashvit. Now, it's not clear who the Tanakhama is in the Mishnah, but we'll find out that Chachamim is really a particular Tana. Chachamim say that from a, an orchard you can, uh, you can trap him in a normal way. In a regular field, you have to trap him in some, some sort of an unusual way. We'll see what that is. You can, you can wall in a breach. And in Shemitah, if you have a breach, of a wall, you can build it in a regular way. There's no issue because there's nothing with planting. Now, my ishut, the Gemara asks, what is an ishut that we identified as a wall? Indeed, a creature that has no eyes. My kra, what's the pasuk? So look at the one pasuk on our page from Tehillim. Kamosha blul temes yahaloch nefel eshet bal chazushamesh. So eshet, they're playing here as ishut. It doesn't see the sun. Good. So I'm Rav Bar Yishmael, I'm Rav Yemar Bar Shlomi, I'm Mikra, Kamosh of the Little Temis, etc. Tan Rabbanan, Sadina Taishut Vadachrim is still Levan, is still Ilan Kedarko. Trap them in a normal way. Machrivin Chorein Malim. You can also destroy anthills or ant colonies. Okay, it's not Machrivin. This is more advice than anything else. How can you destroy an anthill? Shemagamliel Omer Mevi Afar Mechorzev, and Oten Tochorzev. You take dirt from one ant colony and pour it into the other one. In Chokin Zedzen, evidently the ants uh, attack each other and they kill each other. This is only true if the ants don't have any connection to each other. Otherwise they will have built some sort of a, a community or an alliance. If they know each other, then they won't fight with each other. So if they're on two opposite sides of the river, that'll work. Vudaleka Gishra, as long as there's no bridge. Vudaleka Gamla, and there is no other way to get across, um, which is even a small bridge. Vudaleka Mitzra, and there is no um, uh, even smaller way to get across, like a board. So ad kama ad parsa, and they have to be at least a parsa away from each other uh, if they're on the uh, on the same um, on the same side of the river, so that they would not have any contact with each other. Otherwise, if they're closer than that, or they're near the banks of a river and they can cross over, they will have known each other, and then it won't help. This is not Dean of Cholamoid. This is just this question of how to successfully get rid of these ants. Oh, good. So Rabbi Yehuda in the Brita said that you could you could uh, uh, trap the um, the these animals in a regular way in an orchard, and you have to use a shinui in a regular field. So we see that Rabbi Yehuda is the Chachamim of the Mishnah. What's the normal way? You dig a hole and you hang a hang a, uh, a trap in there. The assumption is the rats and the, and the moles and stuff climb up from underground. So they, as they climb up, the trap grabs them. What's an unusual way? You stick a stake in the ground and you knock the dirt around and then you hang the, the uh, trap there. So you don't dig in the normal way. The assumption is, we've shown him say, is that the damage that these animals will do in a, in a field is uh, far less and far, and as opposed to an orchard, therefore we're not as concerned. Which leads to the following: This is only in a stale avon that's next to the city. 
But if you have a regular field next to an orchard, then everybody would agree that you can do it a normal way. Because otherwise, they're going to run away from the Stalavan with these kind of poorly put together traps, and they will go and destroy the trees. So evidently, we see that the threat of these animals is much greater to the orchard than to regular field. This is the last line in the Mishnah. It says that you can breach in, you can wall in a breach. What do you do? You can use reeds. To, to strengthen, to not strengthen, but to complete a wall. So we have a writer that says that you can put rocks down, but you can't plaster them. So Chista says this is only true about the garden wall. But a, a wall to a, um, to a courtyard, you can build it up in the regular way. So this uh, statement is actually going to work against Rav Chista, because it says that a wall that's leaning over into Rishut Arbim, you can tear it down and rebuild it on Cholamoy because it's dangerous. So you see there, it doesn't help Rav Chista because it says it's only because of danger. So you see that it's only because of danger, and Rav Chista seems to be defeated. So Rav Chista, who said you could build it in a normal fashion, even without danger being a consideration, seems to be challenged. Rav not, because there, when it's falling over, you're allowed to tear it down and rebuild it. Here, if it's just empty, there's a breach, you could build it in a normal way, but you can't tear anything down. So it's not, uh, even without danger, you can build it. With danger, you can even tear it down and build it. Hatanami listorbelolivni. So wait, with the other kotel that's falling down, why don't we just tell the guy to tear it down and not build it up? After all, there it's not a concern that he wants the wall up, he just, we want to remove the danger. So if you tell the guy he can only tear it down and won't build it up, he won't tear it down at all. And that will be dangerous. We have to allow him to build it up. Our Mishnah seems to support this notion. The end of the Mishnah said that in Shemitah you could build in a normal fashion. If this is a dangerous wall that's falling over, you have to say that on Shemitah you can build it? After all, Shemitah, you can do anything you want in your courtyard. It's only about plants. It must be that this is a garden wall that's falling, and in Shemitah you can build it in a normal way. Even though you could argue that it looks like he's making some sort of a protection for the Perot, and maybe that's considered some sort of a malacha related to the field, Shmam, um, nonetheless, you're allowed to do it. So Shmamina. So what do you prove from there? That the wall being discussed in our Mishnah is Kotal HaGinat, a wall for the Ginat. And, um, and therefore you are allowed to build it in a, uh, in a regular way. Alright? So therefore, Rav Chista says, um, that, uh, Kotal HaChatzer is, uh, you are allowed to build Kiddarko. And Kotal Hagina is what Rashi says is the referent in the Mishnah uh, that you could that on Shemitah you could build in a regular fashion, even though you might think that it's protecting the Perot. Everybody should have a wonderful Shabbos. We will pick up Mirza Hashem on Sunday with our discussion of the propriety of a Kohen seeing Nigaim and checking out a potential Mitzorah on Cholamoy.